0: As we turn our attention to God's word this morning, we seek to receive it with joy-filled reverence and sober humility. The summons to the word found in your bulletin prepares your hearts and minds to do just that. Let's read it together. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This morning's scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. In the Blue Pew Bible, it can be found on page 830. Again the text is Matthew 5, verse 9, found on page 830. Hear now the word of the Lord, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God.
1: Thank you, Linda. Let's go ahead and bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Father, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit Truly consecrate this time, open our hearts to receive the beauty, the truth, the goodness of your word. Father, I pray that you would equip us, Father, equip us as your saints to love and obey you, to lay down our lives just as Jesus Christ did for one another not even just for one another, but for our neighbors and even for our enemies. Help us to know what love looks like. Father, bless this, bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was uh, at a church, serving at a church in uh, Durham, North Carolina, I was, uh, my primary responsibility was to care for... Uh, for 20-somethings, young adults of that age. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And I'll never forget a a particular time when uh, a a young couple came to me. They'd been married about a year or so. And he... um, Actually, they didn't come to me myself. There was a a, a young adult who, who was in our church. He mentioned that he had a friend and that their marriage had fallen on very difficult times. He had done some things that, um, well, things that often end a marriage. And he was filled with regret and with sadness. And uh, I met with him, and we, we we began to talk about the possibility of confession. And he... Um, the Lord opened his heart. And he said, You know what? I want to do this. I want to own whatever I need to own with my wife. And we began to talk about it. And actually, I met with her. I emailed her. Um, she was neither, really neither of them, but she especially, with no interest in religion, no interest in Christianity. I emailed her and I just said, Look, um, <clears throat> I actually have hope for your marriage. I think that, I truly think that you can weather the storm and that you can make it. And I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a cynic. I don't really expect things to go well. <laughs> and uh, I thought, I'm going to email her. I'll never hear back from her. Or, Why would she? She doesn't know me from anybody. Five minutes later after I sent the email, she emailed back. Well, she and said, she said this, she said, you know, all my friends, my family, coworkers. no one said there was any hope. They all said, divorce the guy, take all his money, take as much money as you can and get out. She said, you're the only person who said there might be hope. Can we meet? The next day actually, I had her in my office and we talked. And we talked about actually we talked about a number of things, but we talked about the parable of the unmerciful servant, which I just we just talked about in the last few weeks. And she realized that she wanted to try to, to forgive her husband. And so I met with him a number of times and we actually wrote a document writing out the ways that he had failed her, confessing his sin to her. And I'll never forget when she got that, she read through it and she just started to weep, just weeping. And at first I thought, you know, I wasn't sure what she was gonna do. I didn't know if she was really gonna forgive or, I don't know. But her words surprised me. She, she, She finished reading his confession. And then she said, can I do this too? Sure. (laughs) Sure. And over the next week, she and I worked on her confession. And she talked about all the ways in which she had actually been an agent in helping to create a very toxic relationship. A relationship in which he might do the things that he did. And there was a beautiful confession on both sides. See, confession and forgiveness are probably the most otherworldly things that we can do. If you, if, you, if you struggle with Christianity, if you think, you know, I don't know about this whole God thing. I don't know about this whole Christianity thing. There's nothing more powerful and more compelling and more jaw-dropping than confession and forgiveness. Because I don't know about you, but we just don't do that on our own. I'm not naturally given to just saying, you know what, I completely blew it, it was my fault. This is exactly what I did. It was wrong of me and I hurt you and this is how I hurt you and this is how much I hurt you. And Jesus calls me to something different, and I'm so sorry, and whatever the consequences are, I'll own them. And I'm gonna seek to live in a different way from now on. No one talks like that. No one owns that. And when it happens, it's just, it's just the, the strangest thing ever. I can remember, again, it's the same, same time frame here. I was in Durham, and my, uh, the, the, the community over which I was uh, serving, the community that I was caring for like, were 20-somethings. And a young lady came into our, our church, she was a non-Christian, and she came into our, our young adult community. And one of the things that we would do on Sunday mornings as a young adult community for Sunday school, is that we would do what we just did this morning. We would confess our sins. We confess our sins publicly, actually speaking out loud the words. And we were doing very, very much the same thing. I remember this young lady coming in, and she sat down, and we started into our, our, our sort of usual process of confessing our sins. We didn't do it every morning. It was like, like we do here at the church by once, twice a month. And, and uh, I, I didn't think a thing of it. She was just listening to everyone. She's new. She's not going to participate because she's just, she's just checking things out. And I met with her later that week, I talked to her, and I met with her, and, and she, she said to me, when I sat down and I started hearing people confessing their sins, and these are 20-somethings, they're 20-something singles, <laughs> they have a lot to confess. <laughs> and they were confessing freely, openly, their sins. And she said, uh, when I sat down and started listening to people confess their sins, She said, I I thought, what in the world are they doing? Why would you ever admit to something like that? She said, I grew up in a home where my mom taught me never to show weakness, never to admit anything that you've done wrong because that makes you vulnerable, makes you open to attack. See, I don't know about you, but so often I don't want to confess my sin precisely for those reasons. In fact, more than anything, I've always thought, whenever I sin, I've always thought confessing this will be a bad idea. And every single time by the power of the Holy Spirit, when I actually do confess it, the unexpected happens in a most amazing way. I can't tell you the number of times in my marriage, or as a father, where I've thought the last thing I wanna do right now is confess my sin. The last thing that's gonna help anything is if I confess my sin. And I think this is going to be a disaster. And don't get me wrong, confessing sin, it hurts. There are consequences. And yet, I've always been amazed, always, I am always shocked by the ways that God uses confession of sin in a beautiful way. If you show me a marriage where there is no confession, I'll show you a marriage where there's no intimacy. There's no unity. There's no real relationship, but a marriage in which there is ongoing, frequent confession is the marriage it's going to be more tumultuous. There's gonna be more give and take, there's gonna be more arguments, there's gonna be more hurt, there's gonna be more tears. But it will be a marriage where there is a real intimacy, a real beauty, a real togetherness, a unity that is unlike anything else. See, confession and forgiveness, peacemaking, is the very substance of life, is at the very heart of who we are to be as God's people. I just, I I long this morning for us to to see the beauty of confession, the beauty of forgiveness. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, they would be called the sons of God, or the children of God. And what he means by that is very simple, peacemaking in the sense of confession and forgiveness, but also calling others to confession and forgiveness. But what does it mean that we are the peacemakers are the sons of God, or the children of God? It's very simple. That to be a son, to be a child of God, is to reflect God's character. I don't know, many of you, I'm sure you've seen, you, you've seen a, a person and you meet their parents. Or you meet someone, you meet their, their, their son or their daughter, and you see them and you think, oh my goodness, they're a the spitting image of you. They look just like you. And that that's, a, that's very much the idea, that to be as a children of God, to be a son or daughter of God, what makes you that is that you are all about the same things that, that your father is. And the he- our heavenly father is all about reconciliation. He's all about finding a way to enable enemies to become friends. In fact, as a, as a father, that's one of the things I've taught my children from the earliest of days. Is God is a God who loves to make enemies friends especially to make his enemies into friends. He finds a way to do it. So let me ask you a difficult question. Are there people in your life with whom you're at odds? Are there unresolved or strained relationships in your life? Spouse, sibling, a brother, a sister, family member, a coworker worker it could have been from long ago or it could be now. I'm going to ask you, what is the Lord calling you to do in that relationship? I can't tell you how many times the minister I've sat down with the persons they were estranged from their spouse, estranged from their, child, their adult child, estranged from their parents, and said, hey, what if we were to write a letter and just own the things that we need to own? Let's not talk about their sin. Let's not talk about how they failed. That's real. It's true. I'm not, not going to forget about it. But let's talk first and foremost about our own sins and confess them openly, fully, freely, without justification, without blame shifting, saying, this is what I did, and will you forgive me? It is amazing how often when that has happened, that the result has been reconciliation. Because people just aren't, they're not used to getting that kind of thing. They're not used to getting confession. They're not used to getting that sort of truth Let me me just explain how that works. Confession is very simple. There are four steps. The first thing that we do when we confess our sin is that we, we, we recall God's standard. You remember that? One, we recall God's standard. That is to say, we say, wait a minute, what would God have me do here? This is what I did, but what would God have me do in this particular situation? What is Jesus calling me to be to do? So for example, this past week, I spoke some very harsh words to Sarah. And of course, the scripture is very clear about the kind of words I should speak. For example, take it for example, the proverbs say, uh, "Say reckless words, pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing." And it's that's, that's 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 the standard. My tongue is to be a tongue of wisdom that brings healing. All my words are there to heal. That's what I'm supposed to standard. And I use my words recklessly to cut her down, to devalue her. And so I start by saying, Sarah, I need to confess some things to you. Jesus calls me to use words that are healing, to edify, that encourage. So the first thing is is to recall God's standard. The second thing is to recount my failure, to recount my failures to do so specifically concretely without any justification well it was a you know it was a bad hair day right? well, well you know this is this happened i was tired it was a long day at work no justifications no 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 blame shifting nothing like that it's simply this is what i did I, I said these words i called you this And the third thing is to, so first thing is is recall God's standard, recount my failures, and the the third thing is to uh, request forgiveness. It is so important when we confess our sins to use these, these very important words. Will you forgive me? When we use those words, we're putting the ball on their court. And we're inviting them. We can't, we can't demand it. We're inviting them to forgive. And I'll tell you, parents, I don't care if if your kids are itty bitty, if they're just little ones, or if they're old in their 20s or 30s old, you know, what I mean they're 20s or 30s, they're grown-up adults, grown-up kids, hearing you confess your sins to them is one of the single most loving things that you can do. It says that mom and dad are sinners just like they are. Mom and dad have failed in various ways. Mom and dad need the mercy, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful thing to do. So again, recall God's standard, recount your failures, request forgiveness. And the fourth is resolve to be faithful. I have used my words recklessly. But from now on, I am seeking to use my words in a way that's truly edifying. It's resolving. It's not promising. There's a difference, right? To promise something and say, I'll never do it again. Let's be honest. Sin's too deep to never do something again. But you're resolving. You're saying, you know what? I've been on this trajectory, and now I'm going to go on this trajectory. I am seeking to live my life differently. That's what confession is. So again, you got, it, you got it with you? Recall God's standard. Recount our failures. Request forgiveness. And finally, resolve to be faithful. That's the essence of confession, and there's nothing more powerful. Again, let me just say, in my marriage again and again and again, there's always, it has always been the case that I think that confessing my sin is a bad idea. What could possibly come? What, what, what possible good could come from that? And yet, sure enough, as I do it, unexpected goodness, unexpected beauty, unexpected intimacy result in a way that I think is just simply staggering. So that's confession. Let's talk about forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive someone? Well, again, there are four steps there are four really resolutions. Remember, they were resolved, to resolve to do something. To forgive someone is to, re- is to resolve not to do four things. The first is this, I resolve not to bring this matter up with you again. When you say, I forgive you, we're saying, look, I am not going to at a later time, I am not going to somehow pull this, pull out what you did and throw it in your face. Oh yeah, do you remember the time when you, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to lord it over you. I'm not going to use it, bring it up as a weapon against you. But even more than that, forgiveness says that I'm not going to bring it to my own mind. I'm not going to bring it up against you, but I'm not going to bring it to my mind. I'm not going to be there, and driving along or getting, doing my day in the shower, or whatever it is, and thinking about how you have done this to me. I'm not going to brood on it and sit there and go, oh, how could he do that? How could she do that? And we sit there and we, we, we just absorb it and meditate on it, and think about it, and we entertain it. So forgiveness says, I will not use this against you. One, I will not, I will not bring it to my mind. But third, I will not bring it up with others. I'm not going to gossip about you. Can you believe what she did to me? Can you believe what he did to me? Listen, let me tell you how much I've been wronged. Who does that? So Forgiveness says, look, I'm not going to bring this up with anybody else. It's done. It's over. I forgive you. Finally, the fourth thing about forgiveness is forgiveness resolves to continue to invest in the relationship. Sometimes we can be like, okay, like, we're good, I'm, we're good, I, 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 I forgive you, and we're done. I'm, I'm just, we're done. I'm so over this relationship. But forgiveness, on the whole, there, there are some exceptions, okay, I want to be careful, there are some exceptions. But on the whole, forgiveness says, look, you've wronged me, it's taken a toll, but I want you to know, I'm all in. I still want to invest in this relationship. I still want to give. I still want to be with you. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying I won't bring it up again. I won't bring it up with you. I won't bring it to my mind. I won't bring it up with others. And I will continue to invest in the relationship. <clears throat> now let me, just, uh, let me just conclude here. I want to just briefly talk about peacemaking um, on social media, and we live in a social media-saturated world. And uh, so easily, it's <clears throat> Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. It's so easy, especially in our very politicized excuse me, <clears throat> a very politicized world. It's so easy to use social media in a way that is very, very uh, um, unedifying. I'm very um, unloving to others. And I want to ask a few questions as we think about social media, because I think, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being on social media. It can be a great thing. The question is, <clears throat> are we willing to do it in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? So here are a few questions. These are taken, actually taken from an article by Kevin DeYoung. The, the title of the article, it's actually a wonderful title. The title of the article is When You Say Nothing At All. I don't know if you're familiar with that song or not. But sometimes it's best on social media to say nothing at all, <laughs> right? Just to refrain. But there are times to say something, and it's, and it's good to say things. It's good to speak out. It's, it's good to, to share wisdom, uh, to speak openly, humbly. But let me, let me, let me ask these questions that Kevin, <clears throat> Kevin DeYoung gives us. First question is, am I making it harder for all sorts of people to hear what I have to say about more important matters? I mean, do I really want to go on social media and talk and make strong claims about things that really don't matter that much at the end of the day? So if I get on there and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be all for this party or all for that party, I may just alienate people. And the things that I really want to talk about that are really important, the things of God that really matter. They're not going to listen to them anymore because they have, I've already alienated them. So am I making it harder for all sorts of people to hear what I have to say about more important matters? Second question is, is my online persona making it harder for my in-person friends to want to be around me? I don't know if you've ever been there, but you're going through your Facebook feed or you're going through some social media feed And you see a a tweet or you see a post from a person that you know, and you just, you're reading, you just wince, and you think, you know, I don't know that I want to be around that person anymore. So it's important to ask the question, is my online persona making it harder for my in-person friends to want to be around me? The next question is, am I speaking on matters upon which I have, I do not have any special knowledge? and for which no one needs my opinion. Guess, guess how much I know about immigration? Almost zero. I haven't read a single book, I've, I've read a few articles. I know, I know nothing about immigration. And yet, so often we read an article and we just post it out there, we, we throw it out there, and then the question again, am I speaking on matters upon which I do not have any special knowledge, or for which no one needs my opinion? And then finally, I think this is so important, am I animated more by what I'm reading in the scriptures or by, what, or by what I am seeing on the news and in social media? What is animating us? What is moving us? Is it really, is it really the politics of our day? Is it really the, the news of the moment? What happened here? Who did this? Who did what? This politician, that politician. It's just so fleeting. A year from now, five years from now, no one will be talking about it. So again, he asks, am I I animated more by what I'm reading in the scriptures or by what I'm seeing on the news and social media? I just want to encourage you to use your social media. Use those venues as a way of proclaiming the beauty of Jesus Christ, the goodness of who he is, the truth of what he's about, humbly, Graciously, respectfully. So again, it's 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 just um it's just so important as Christians how we present ourselves on social media. We are to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. Let me let me let me close with this. I um <clears throat> I have never been more amazed at the power of the gospel than reconciliation. If you say to me, Bruce, no, I just don't think. I just don't think that I really believe that there really is a God. I don't believe that, there, that this Christianity thing really is true. Then I would say, there's nothing more convincing to me. There's nothing more otherworldly to me than the gospel. There's nothing more otherworldly to me than when a one person confesses their sins to another <clears throat> And that person forgives them. Because people just don't do that. And if you're wondering this morning, if you're wondering and saying, no, I just don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I really belong to the family of God. There is really no more sure litmus test than confession and forgiveness. If you are able to confess your sins to another person, if you are able to forgive another who is has to you, I can promise you, you have the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And you are a Christian. There's nothing more beautiful as a spouse, as a parent, as a child, as a coworker, especially in, in today's work environment, to actually admit what you've done wrong, in your work environment. You say, "This say, that was me, I'm sorry, I blew it. I'll make it up. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I need to do. Those are just remarkable things. The sign of true, true integrity. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you.